There's two things that I want to say before we get into the word. Um, I was looking at the bulletins, and I, I there was a, we got a last call for a couple of Sunday school classes, and uh, there wasn't a lot of information given on them. And I want to make sure. Like a lot of times when we see a picture, sometimes we might miss what it's what it's all about. There's a lot of us that are coming, and I would just say, you know, the next step that a lot of you could take is say, you know what. Man, I love what God's doing in my life. And maybe you might be sitting here saying, man, I wished I had a little bit more. Is that anybody? Like, I wished I had a little bit more. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you what that little bit more is. Wake up one hour earlier, right? I'm just saying, what, one hour earlier, right? Um, We have some amazing Sunday school classes starting. It starts at 9. And Any ladies here, does any of the ladies here today, do you ever struggle getting out of your own head? And husbands, you can answer for your wives if you need to, right? I mean, so sometimes we, the the enemy gets in our heads, right? Well, we are so blessed um, that uh, my wife, um, I'm blessed to have my wife, and the church is blessed to have her as well. She's going to be teaching uh, uh, starting next Sunday for ladies only, right? Um, but it's going to be um, a class on get out of your own head, right? Isn't that what the t- title is? So um, she's going to be at the back of the service afterwards because you're going to need to order the book and, and you have a week. So Amazon can get it to you. You're a grown adult. Um, you can do that. But she's going to be back there to help you understand that. Um, I'm starting a, the Next Steps class is a class that we recycle every quarter. If you're brand new to the church and like, I want to know more, I need to get more involved, um, I'm not, you want to be a member, maybe you're not ready for that yet, that's okay, um, but that's what the Next Steps class is. I only have like three slots left. Barbara has um, several there, so those sign-ups are in the back, and that just, we have a cutoff at 16. There's 16 chairs in a classroom, that's the cutoff. So uh, be one of the first 16 ladies to sign up for that class. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. Um, Zeb's also teaching a class that's called Faith in Action. So if you kind of know what your spiritual gifts are, you know what you're passionate about, and you're like, I need to get my giftedness into action, he's got six slots open for his. And that's all I'm going to say. It's in the bulletin, but there wasn't like a cutoff date. This is the cutoff. Today is the cutoff date. All right? That's why, because we're really trying to get away from announcements. I do not like doing announcements. I want to walk up here and preach, but sometimes I got to make sure that everybody understands today's the cutoff. So, all right. So we're in a series called The Pharisee and Me. And uh, no one likes to be, I mean, if, some, if a preacher walks up to you and says, hey, you're a Pharisee, that would be really offensive. Am I right? Right? We don't want to be called a Pharisee because Pharisees are hypocrites, Right? Pharisees are like the worst guys uh, in the Bible, you know, like they're the, the opponents, they're the enemies that you see, you know, they're, they're not supposed to be. And I want you, what we're doing is we're studying just, we are taking three weeks and we're studying some, some encounters that Jesus had with these Pharisees to see how easy it is for us to allow that same heart into our heart, Right? You ever notice that you've had bad attitudes? If you don't know that you've had a bad attitude, just ask somebody who knows you and is honest enough to tell you that you have a bad attitude from time to time. And so today, if you want to hear last week's sermon, go back. It's on Facebook. But today we're going to go from judging more to judging less. I need that. (laughs) Sitting here going, where's my clicker? I was waiting for you. Oh, thank you. She even has it all ready for me. What a good, what a good wife. All right. The Bible speaks a lot uh, concerning judgment. Uh, John 7, 24, Jesus said, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Uh, you know, I know that this uh, may, may come to a shock, but in that passage, J- Jesus was speaking to Pharisees. Shocker, right? Um, he's, he's getting on to them. They, they were, they were ju- judging by an outward appearance. You, I mean, surely... Surely you've never judged someone else by an outward appearance. I mean, that would never happen to you. Why are you guys laughing? You're like, guilty, right? I mean, so Jesus got on to the Pharisees because they were judging by an outward appearance of things rather than knowing the heart of something, right? So so there is a, a correct way to judge, but not by appearances. We need to know the heart um, in Romans 4, 14, 13, uh, he says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. I- instead, make up your mind 
to not put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Matthew 7, 1 and 2 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you judge, it will be measured to you. So Jesus is saying is, in the measure, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but whatever measure you give out is the same measure God's going to give back. That's why we don't want to, we don't want to do that, okay? So the word judge in each one of these passages comes from a, a Greek word, krino, and, and what it means is to pass judgment, but here's what I want to bring out. It also means the act of carrying out a judicial process. So if I'm going to judge something, judge someone or something or situation, what I am doing is I'm carrying out a judicial process. I must then bear the burden of gathering testimony, gathering the evidence. Now how many of us don't really want to do all of the work of investigation to carry out a judicial process? Like, let's say you hear someone's doing something, and you're like, oh, and then I'll mount. If I'm going to judge that situation, guess what I'm going to have to do? If I'm going to do it correctly, i got to go and gather all the information. i got to go get all the eyewitness accounts. But you know what most of us do? We skip the judicial process, and we just go straight to judgment. Why are you quiet? Aren't we guilty of that, Right? I don't want to go ask everybody the truth. I just want to make the assumptions and get to my judgment. But if I'm going to be a good judge, then guess what I have to do? The judicial process. But most of us skip all of that. And we go straight to it. So today I want to talk about the attitude of being judgmental. Judgmental is being an, having an attitude or a behavior that describes someone who judges others harshly. It suggests as an unqualified, because the unqualified would mean that I didn't actually go through the, pro, the process. I didn't go get all, gather all the information. How many of you have made decisions based upon assumptions in this last week? There are a lot of liars in this church. I'm going to make a note real quick to preach a sermon on lying. Lying. Sermon on that. I am making assumptions. So, I'm proving a point. I just made an assumption. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Just said I was blessed. All right, so, so being judgmental is having that harsh attitude towards someone, unqualified and unfavorable conclusion. One of the things that Cheyenne often tells the, the worship team is think the best of others. That's, not, that's the opposite of being judgmental. Judgmental is thinking the worst in others. Assuming the worst in others. Legalistic is another thing that we're going to have to deal with as well if we're going to deal with being judgmental. Legalism is a, a one who views from a legal standpoint, one who is strict or excessive to conformity to the law or to a religious code. Have you ever ran into somebody who's very legalistic? Right? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. So we've dealt with people who are both judgmental and legalistic. So if it's not you, great. If, if you have some of those tendencies, listen up. This isn't about offending anyone. It's about saying that these are the easiest things. If I'm going to become a Pharisee, that's the easiest thing to come inside is for me to be judgmental, legalistic, or self-righteous. That's what we talked about self-righteous last week. Two things I want you to remember. I mean, a lot of things, but I just wanted to say two so you'll listen up real quick. Number one, God did not call you or me to be his judge over his people's sin. Okay? I couldn't find a verse where he says, hey, Daniel Yoder, I want you to sit in my judgment seat. I, I need a break. Sit in my judgment seat and I need you to judge over all the people's sin that's out there. Right? In fact, we're going to learn that actually that job was given to Jesus. He's the judge. So that's something I need to remember is that God never asked me, Daniel, you're so smart. I want you to be the judge. <laughs> nope, he didn't for a reason. All right. Secondly, God did not call me and he did not call you 
to be his police task force. He didn't say, I want you to go around and arrest everyone who breaks my laws. That's not my job either. See, when we start, like last week when I talked about our role, Jesus said, go, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go learn what that means. We know what our role in this is. We just don't like it because we want to be the police or we want to be the judge. So today's story comes out of John chapter 8. A woman caught in adultery, in the act, all right? So, so let's dive in. So it says this, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again to the temple. You see how I highlighted that into the temple? I want you to, this is a setting. We're going to, we know where this is taking place into the temple he's in the temple and all the people came to him and sat down and he taught them then the scribes and the pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery and when they had sat her in the midst so i wanted us to, to sit there sat her in the midst in the midst of where does anybody remember what we read yeah young man you raise your hand oh all right in the midst of the temple right i mean jesus went into the temple right? He went into the temple. He was teaching the people, and the Pharisees brought a woman caught into adultery in their midst. So I want you to picture this. We're having a worship service. Somebody comes in and said, hey, pastor, I caught this person in adultery. And they would bring him and drag him right up here, and I want you to say, and, and so we'll get into the rest of it, but I'm wanting you to understand the setting. The setting is a church service, the setting is in the temple, in the house of God. Whose house? God's house, right? That's the setting of the story. And it made me start thinking is, why in a church service? But isn't that where we see the most judgment today? <laughs> Some of us have walked into a church in our life didn't measure up. Can we be honest that there's times in our lives that it doesn't measure up to God's measure, right? We know it, right? I mean, we know it, right? We know I, right now my life is not measuring up. And we walk into the church, and the first thing that we, we feel all the stairs, right? We feel the stairs. We feel it. There's tension. Maybe even says, like, what are you doing here? Oh, <laughs> you know? So, isn't this a place where we should meet grace and mercy? His name is Jesus, right? Didn't you meet Jesus? And when you met Jesus, were you not met with grace and mercy? And we're going to get to the truth because you were met with truth too. Jesus didn't skirt around the truth. But before he spoke the truth, he always showed you grace and mercy. Every story that I keep reading about Jesus in these stories, in these situations, he met everyone with grace and mercy. Then he spoke and dealt with the sin. Sometimes we try to deal with the sin and then decide how they react to how I'm dealing with the sin if I'm going to give you grace or mercy. Sometimes the churches can be the most judgmental places that you've ever been to. That can't be here. And as long as I'm the pastor, that won't be here. I want you to think about this. Who does the church belong to? Right? It's his, not mine. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to your church. Well, you're going to God's church that I just am lucky enough to be the pastor of. I know what you're saying, you know, and I, but, but the reality is this, this is Jesus, this belongs to Jesus. It's his body. It's his. I'm just trying to stay out of the way. Not always good at it. You know, ask the elders. I'm not always good at staying out of the way, but that's my goal. I want to stay out of the way. I want Jesus to do his work. Who gets, who decides who attends and who doesn't? Jesus, Right? Who does Jesus seek out in the scriptures? <laughs> I mean, if you were really looking at this, Jesus went to the tax collectors. They were hated. Met with prostitutes, people who were demon-possessed. And here's the thing. When you start thinking about the people that Jesus was seeking, 
And in and, 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 and judgmental terms, people would be like, man, he's picking the, the bottom of the barrel. And I'm so glad he does because I was at the bottom of the barrel. Is any other bottom of the barrel people here today saying, God, thank you for reaching down to the bottom of the barrel because that's where I was. And are we not to imitate Christ? So why don't we imitate Christ in this area? Why are we so afraid of associating with sinners? Why are we afraid of being friends with someone who's not in the faith yet? The key word is yet. So let's go on in the story. So this is the setting. They're worshiping. Jesus is teaching. And here come the Pharisees marching in with a woman caught in adultery. So here it is. Then they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in, the, in adultery, in the very act. Okay. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They said this, they were testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. <laughs> I want you to consider a few things that I highlighted in the scripture. She was caught in the very act. This wasn't like we heard a rumor. They, want, they didn't want to go in and say, we heard this woman was doing this. No, they caught her in the act of adultery. Okay, caught in the act. So they were waiting and watching. Oh, I mean, think about this. This is a big deal. We caught her. They were waiting and they're watching. Why were they waiting and watching? To catch her in her sin. We want to catch you in the sin. Why, when were they waiting? They were waiting and watching when they should have been in the temple learning from Jesus. They caught her in the act and then brought her into the temple. Maybe if they would have spent more time listening to the teachings of Jesus, they wouldn't have been trying to do his job for him. Have you ever thought that? Sometimes maybe if we listened to the teachings of Christ a little bit more, maybe we would stop trying to do his job. So where were they waiting? Because they, they had to catch her in the act. They had to see this, right? They're waiting and they're watching outside of her house, outside of his house, but guess what? They already knew these things were happening. Think about this. This is a timing thing. They either had spies out there waiting for this to happen, but the reality is they're waiting and they're watching for someone to screw up, and it wasn't because they cared about her. They caught her in a sin. She was guilty of the sin. But understand this, they did not care one bit about this woman. And I want you to think about this. They didn't bring both of them. Both of them committed adultery, but only one got brought before everybody. Hmm? Where's the dude? Yeah? Why don't we have rocks stacked up on the side for him too? Right? When you read this, guys, it's important when we read the Bible to ask questions. Like, caught in the act? Well, how did that happen? And you start thinking. They're watching for this to happen. They're waiting for this to happen. Have you ever met somebody, or maybe you are that somebody that's just waiting for somebody to sin? You know, sometimes we're just waiting I told you so, right? Have you ever been somebody, maybe you're on the other side of that, right? And, and, and you've messed up your whole life, right? And then all of a sudden, you found Jesus, and then somebody says, well, I hope it sticks. I hope it works this time. I hope, you know, and, and it's like, wow, all of a sudden, right? I'm the, it's like the people around you that should care about you, it's almost like they're just waiting for you to mess up again. 
right? So maybe you were like that woman and you messed up and it was like everybody's watching and waiting for you to screw up again. That's not Jesus. That's a Pharisee. If people are just waiting and watching for you to screw up again, they've already got the heart of a Pharisee in them. Find new friends. And they're in this place right here. Just telling you. See, the Pharisees were using the law as a trap, right? You see, the legalistic Pharisee doesn't care about the people breaking the law, but only that the law is broken. When we start walking down a road of being judgmental, legalistic, self-righteous, we stop caring about people, and we only care, we only make it seem like we really care about God's law but we've missed the heart of God's law. The very heart of God is that all would be saved and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's his heart. But how many times do we miss the heart of God because we stopped caring about people? In John 8, they continued asking him, And he raised himself up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. Woo! Right? That's good. I mean, when you start thinking about all the things that Jesus said, Jesus is a genius when it comes to any debate. Because they were trying to trap him. If he says, yep, let's stone her, and they all started killing her, he's going to have to be dealt with by the Romans because you weren't supposed to kill people. If he said, no, let's not do that, that's the old law, now he's a heretic. I mean, Jesus was, no matter what he did, he was in a trap. You take a step with the left, you're in trouble. You take a step with the right. So no matter what he said, unless he says this, this is the only out. And all he did is he turned it back on them. And this is what's so amazing. So Jesus is presenting us, um, he's presenting a perspective Okay, only the truly righteous can judge someone. I want you to hear me. He, he, out of his statement of what he said, he who is without sin, he who is without sin, that is a truly righteous person, someone who's truly righteous from beginning to end, right? Okay, so from beginning to end, that person is able and capable to make the judgment of throwing the stone but no one else is qualified because they're with sin. They have sinned. They have fallen short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23, for all, everybody say all, All. for all have sinned and fallen short. So what happens is that kicks me out of this because he who is without sin, well, I have had sin in my life, so I am not qualified to throw the stone, So Jesus is giving them a perspective of who is here is capable of making that kind of judgment. One who is without sin. And that was Jesus. Because the Bible says in Romans 3, 11, there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. So what I realize is that I am just not qualified to make that judgment. So let's take this further here. Who is qualified? His name is Jesus. In John 5, 22, Jesus says, for the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment. I want everybody to say all. I should have highlighted this. All, right? Does all mean most? No, all means all, right? So who has been committed the responsibility of all judgment Jesus so he says the father has committed to me all judgment to the son and then he goes in eight verses later he says I can of myself do nothing as I hear I judge so he is listening to his father right and he goes my judgment is righteous why because he is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of my Father. So I begin to ask this question. Well, I'll get to that. Let me, let me say. So here's the trouble with judging. 
The trouble with judging others, and I, guys, this is a, a good one. I'm going to leave this here for just a second because this is, this, is, this is one of those statements that can really begin to transform our, our perspective. The trouble with judging others is we who are not righteous attempt to make a righteous judgment against someone else, right? And I'm not capable of making a righteous judgment because I'm not righteous. You, you see where this is going, right? There is someone who can make that righteous judgment, and his name is Jesus. And the Father has already committed all judgment to him. My job is not the judgment. Right? But how many times do we struggle with this area? How many of you, being honest, this is not a rhetorical, this is a hands-up one. How many of you say, oh, man, I struggle with judgment? So this sermon is for you. Right? And for me. You see, the, the problem that I have is this. I want to make a judgment, but I'm not righteous enough to make the judgment. Right? Come on, right? Isn't that good? That was a God nugget right there. When I was, when I was studying all this, I'm like, Lord, I need, and then he laid the God nugget on it. And I want to, I want to explain why we're so bad at judgment. <laughs> Here's why we are all so bad, not just because we're not righteous, but, but also because we do not use the same measure of judgment on others as we use on ourselves. So I'm either, some of you are really hard on yourselves, right? Anybody there? If you're really hard on yourselves, then typically aren't you really hard on everyone else, right? Or maybe you're not very hard on yourself, and you're not hard on other people. I mean, there's, what I'm saying is we don't use the same measure. And we definitely don't use the same measure as God. His measure, he's perfect in his measurement. Have you ever ate something that was supposed to be sweet and they put too much salt in it? Right? Right? So, so what I'm saying is, is that there's times in our, where, where we don't know what God's measure is. What, is. what should the measure be here? So I come off too hard or I come off too easy. God knows exactly how to, how to handle that. And the other is because I don't always seek the Father's will in the judgment. Right? Sometimes I have my own will. I want this to work out my own way. I have an idea of how I want this to go, and I'm not really seeking the Father's will. Jesus says, hey, my judgment is righteous because I seek the Father's will in this judgment. So am I seeking the Father's will, or am I looking in within myself of what I want to see? Didn't even know that this was like marriage counseling in here today, did we? Right? Right? Or not. Or if we want to get technical. You see, well, I'll wait for that. So, I'll wait. Sometimes I have to remind myself, wait, don't get ahead. Because then I, I repeat things and then the sermon goes from, you know, like, 30 minutes to 50. So, so I want us to, to use correct judgment for a moment. So here's, we're going to do an exercise. I want everybody in the room, okay, close your eyes. I want everybody in the room to close your eyes, okay? Close your eyes. Okay, so I want you to imagine something, okay? I want you to, for a moment, I want you to look deep within your heart, Okay? And I want you to find those little secret sins that you've got, okay? I want you to, maybe, maybe you're an angry person. I want you to think about the sins. Keep your eyes closed. I want you to, keep about, I want you to think about those sins in, in, in your life that you don't want anybody to know is there, right? I want you to, that, you don't, that, that no one knows about. And guess what? There's things inside of you that no one knows about, Right? I want you to think about your hidden sin. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe there's certain people you hate, but you've never said anything. Maybe you're racist, but you've never said it out loud, but deep down inside you are. Or maybe you're jealous. Maybe there's anger. Maybe there's an unforgiveness. What I want you to do is I want you to think down, deep down inside, and I want you to, to, 
to imagine what you would look like if you wore that on the outside and everyone saw it. Keep your eyes closed. I want you to imagine this for a moment. Maybe it's anger. What would I look like if I wore angry all the time? What if everyone knew in this room who I really was? See, it's easy for me to judge someone across the room. But what if everybody really could see me for who I really am? See, a lot of times it's easy for us to see sin in other people because we don't want to deal with the sin in our own life. That's what judgment does. Is it passes it from me having to deal with my addictions, with my pains, with my hurts, and I get to shift that by focusing on everybody else's shortcoming. Um, I need you guys to go to the slide that says John 8. Back there, skip to the last couple of ones. You guys could hit, there we go. All right, so uh, one more slide up or two, one more. John 8, 8 is what I need. I think it's slide 10 and not 11. There we go. So there we go. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. So Jesus made this statement, though he who is without sin cast the first stone. So then he began to stoop down and, and, and Jesus didn't do a sermon here. Isn't that amazing how Jesus, you know, it's a good thing that, I, that it wasn't me. I would have kept going, you know. Let me tell you another thing, you know. I mean, you know, that's the, so Jesus just made this truth. He gave a perspective of how we're going to deal, how he's going to deal with judgment. You know what? You who are without sin, you can be the first one to cast a stone. He then stops talking. He stoops down and he writes on the ground again. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. What happened here? See, what happened was the Pharisees experienced judgment, but not judgment by people. They experienced how God uses judgment. How This is like uh, the perfect picture of God's judgment. Convicted. A word convicted. It, it means to be exposed. To be exposed. When, when, when you're convicted of something, it means that something that you've been hiding in your heart has now been exposed and brought out to the light. Like these cardboards, these sins. A lot of those sins were wrapped up in a whole bunch of other things that they were dealing with. And a lot of those things were all hidden and people didn't know. But now when, you, when they were exposed, it, brought, it was brought to light. So what happened is these Pharisees, their hearts were exposed the moment that Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. They were exposed. Why? Because they weren't without sin. And they were ready to stone someone. He exposed their hearts. Conscience is, is an inner awareness. Okay? It's an inner awareness of... of um, Knowing right from wrong. I want you to, you know, don't, don't forget Adam and Eve when they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know, you know. You know what we're dealing with. So their, their, their conscience here was aware that, hey, wow. So, so what happens is their hearts were exposed and they had to deal with it. They could either sit there and argue, justify the reasons why the woman should be stoned. Instead, they backed out. They were caught. They were guilty. And they left the woman there. Now, what I love is that these Pharisees, they experienced the results of true judgment God's way. Jesus didn't throw a stone at them, right? I mean, think about this. They came in. Can you imagine these guys? I'm sure that they brought rocks just in case, right? I got a couple of rocks. I got a good one right here. It's got a lot of rough edges around it. I'm ready to launch this. And, and, and you know, here's the deal. If, it was, if, if I was Jesus, you know what I would have done? The moment that they came in with rocks, I was like, what? Not for her, for them. Right? That's what I, I'm like, oh, you come in with rocks? I'm going to show you. 
Pick on somebody your own size, right? But Jesus didn't throw a stone at them. Isn't that amazing? When he had every right to, he could have really embarrassed them. They embarrassed her. He just spoke truth to them. I, I know that I struggle. You know, where I, that, where I fail miserably is judging the one I perceive judging. I mean, you, you're hearing me, right? Oh, you want to judge somebody? What? Right? I mean, here's my rock. My rock's bigger than your rock. Right? I'm telling you, I struggle with judgment too. I don't think I do because I don't judge, you know, but I do. I don't think I struggle until I'm like, yep, I do. I struggle with it. I struggle with judging people who judge. It's still judging. <laughs> I, I'm just amazed. See, he just, we, we, I often scold people for scolding others. Right? I give a scolding to the one that's trying to scold someone else. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a cycle. It's the same thing. I'm guilty. I'm telling you all right now, this is just as much for me. I got just as much to learn. This isn't a self-righteous person saying, I, don't, I struggle. But you know what I love is that Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to do the Holy Spirit's job. You see, when we stop trying to do God's job, it goes really a lot better. When I allow Jesus to be the judge, because that's what his job is, the Father gave him all judgment, and then I allow the Spirit to be the convictor. You know, see, John 16, verse 8, it says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. Who convicts the world of sin? Uh, hold on. Who convicts the world of sin? Then why do I think the Holy Spirit needs Daniel Yoder's to help him out? Like, sometimes we think, God, you need me to get through that knucklehead because you're not doing it fast enough. Am I right? Somebody's not getting the picture that they've got sin in their life, and I need to bring it out because the Holy Spirit's not fast enough. The Holy Spirit doesn't need your help. Got one amen. All right, all right. I've just got, got one. All right. <laughs> all right. All right, we're coming to the closing of this story. We're just about there. Well, this is actually the last two verses of the story. When Jesus had raised himself up and he saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Before we go any further, can we make a promise to each other today? How many of you are willing to make a promise that we're still going to be friends when we walk out of the door? I'm just, I just want to clear this up. Because we're about to get our toes stepped on a little bit more. Okay? I just want to prepare your heart and not walk out. I hate that guy. Right? Okay? All right? So, I hate that guy. He's the worst. Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I want to break this down a little bit. The accusers here is to speak against someone. Isn't it interesting that those who are judgmental of others are labeled as accusers? I'm going somewhere. Saddle up. Right? Did the Pharisees, they, they were in judgment because why? They, they were ready to stone a woman. That's judgment. Okay? Right? They're being judgmental. That's, that's the easy conclusion. They have, they're, they're ready to stone someone to death. Okay? That's judgment. But he calls them accusers. What's more interesting is that one of the names of the devil is accuser. Hmm. I'm going to let that sink in just a little. See, accusing someone is not gossip. 
what the Pharisees said about the woman was absolutely true. She was caught in the act of adultery. It happened. It was true. Being an accuser is not gossiping and lying, but it's taking up a mantle that is not your mantle to take. You guys following me, right? You see, when I started thinking about this, the moment that we begin to walk down the accuser's road, we're actually doing the devil's work. Isn't it even more interesting that when the devil goes before the Lord to accuse you and to accuse me, he doesn't even have to lie about what we've done. It's already true. Hmm? He doesn't have to make up a bunch of sins to say, oh, they were doing these sins. He doesn't have to make it up. He doesn't have to lie. We've already done it. He says, look at what they're doing. Look at what your child's doing. Look at what they're saying. Look at how they're behaving. Look at how they're treating others. Look, 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 look. The devil doesn't have to lie about me to accuse me before the king. I'm wanting us to learn something about accusing because we can be speaking exactly the truth and still have the heart of the devil in our accusation. You know how you know the difference? So one of the things that I've been really trying to put on myself this year, my focus for the entire year of 2023 is to be a better shepherd. Not for the dumb sheep that I have at the house. <laughs> this sheep. <laughs> I'm not calling you dumb. I'm just saying the other ones are dumb. <laughs> don't be dumb. So I don't have, you know, so, but um, I want to be a better shepherd. And you know, one of the things that he says about, Jesus said he was the good shepherd. And he says a good shepherd will lay their life down for their sheep. An accuser is not laying their life down for the person that's caught in the sin. They're just making sure everyone knows of their sin. You see what I'm saying? You're following me, right? See, I want to have a heart of a shepherd where if I know somebody's walking in sin and living in sin, I want to lay my life down. This isn't about making you feel bad. It's not about hurting you it's not about embarrassing you it's not about attacking you it's about i want to help you that's the heart that god wants us all to have for each other so if you're like oh i don't know if i'm am i being a good shepherd or am i being an accuser the devil is an accuser he doesn't care about you at all the shepherd will lay his life down for you so before you bring out someone else's sin ask yourself who am I? Am I being a shepherd and I'm willing to lay my life down for this woman who was caught in adultery? Or am I the devil just wanting to point it out? He says, I don't condemn. <laughs> Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. In other words, I'm not going to pass judgment on you today see there is a day of judgment my friends jesus constantly says i'm not here to condemn there is a day where people will be condemned and stand in their own condemnation but not today but you know what he didn't avoid sin either did he you see, one of the things that I want us to, 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 one of the things that Pastor Paul and I talk about is that, you know, there's a movement going on in America where, where churches are really focusing on becoming what we would call like a community of grace. Come just as you are. It doesn't matter. We want you to be here. All are welcome. And, and we even say this here because all are welcome at Living Water. We don't care who you are. We don't care what you've done. We don't care where you've been everyone's welcome here right so so that's a community of grace so the thing is is there's a big movement happening because there's been a lot of churches shut off to a lost and hurting world because they wear their sin on the outside you guys following me so what we do is we well you sin differently than me you struggle differently than me so i don't want you 
I want other people who are hiding theirs in their heart just like me. And we'll smile and act like everything's okay and we'll just lie to each other. And so the thing is, is there's this big movement that's happening. But here's what a lot of the churches are doing. Is there a community of grace with no truth? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to offend anyone either, but I am going to speak the truth because Jesus spoke the truth. He's our model. Right? So, so the thing is, is this. We want to be a community full of grace and a community full of truth because it is the truth that sets us free, right? So, so Jesus showed her full of grace. I don't condemn you either. He was the only one in the room that could. He had every right. Guess what? She was breaking his law, wasn't she? They, she wasn't even breaking the Pharisees' laws. All the people that we get worried about their sin, they're not even breaking your law. They're breaking God's law. And we're so worried about God, like he needs me to help him out. God, do you see what this Yahoo's doing over here? Uh, yeah, he sees it all and he also sees you, right? <laughs> right? Okay, so, so I want us to see that. Okay, so I, I've, I've spent enough time... Um, Help me back there. <laughs> help, help. Okay. So I want to share this verse with you. Um, in, in Galatians, man, I, I talked right through a piece of paper, didn't even know where I was. Okay. So I, I want to share this. This is just a passage that I want to share with you about how the Bible teaches that, that how we should restore people. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, okay, that woman was caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, everybody say live by the Spirit should restore such a person gently. Everybody say gently. gently. I, I, I don't think we got that one. Gently. gently. Okay, so what does it mean by living by the Spirit? Here's the thing. There's two things why he's saying live by the Spirit. Those who have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? So what he's saying is you who are living in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you're the person I want to go help that person. And what's the goal of going to that person? To restore them. Huh? Huh? Right? Restore. Not to break down, not to bust down, not to break open, to restore you take something that's broken and you restore it, right? So then the other reason of why he says those who live by the Spirit is because they know, those people who live by the Spirit know it's the Spirit's job to convict the person of sin. What if they're just not ready for that yet? It's not my job to convict them. It's my job to love them, right? Okay, so maybe some of you are asking a question, how do I not become judgmental? Anybody would like to, I'm going to give you three easy steps right? It's like, I feel like a, like a promo here. I'm going to give you three easy steps. One, two, and a three. How to not become judgmental. Does anybody want them? Because if not, I'll just shut the sermon off right here. You guys ready? Okay, three easy steps. We're going to use John 7, 1 through 5 to do it. Okay, one, it says, judge not lest you be judged, right? So first, we're going to take a, a chapter out of Celebrate Recovery, realize I'm not God. Can you do that? I'm not God, so I will not do his job. You don't want to be judgmental, stop doing his job. He's good. He's perfect. A lot better at it than I'll ever be. I'm not good at it. It doesn't work when I do it. Let God do it. Okay? That's pretty easy. Self, right? Simple. Step number two. For with that judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Secondly, realize that whatever measure I'm using on someone, that same measure is coming back. So if you are a pretty judgmental person, realize that that's coming back, right? The same measure. So it's like, how many of you want the same measure you use on others? To, how many of you like me? You know, some of you raise your hand and say, I struggle with this, Right? Think about the measure that you've been using. Do you want God to use the same measure you're using? <laughs> okay. That's why we say, I don't want that measure, so I'm going to back my measure way down. I'm going to stop using the, the whole cup, and I'm going down to a teaspoon. 
<laughs> a, little, a little teaspoon. God, I, I'm better than what I was, right? So, last one. Lastly, okay, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's. So lastly, if you worry about your own sin, you will have no time to worry about the sin of others. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Worry about yourself. So that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good stuff right there. So because if I'm judging someone else, I'm... I'm going to be judged by God, right? So if you're worried about somebody else and they need judgment, let God do that so that it doesn't come back on your own head. So let's bow our heads today. Sometimes we don't even realize what a judgmental heart can do to people. We don't realize the pain that we can cause others by our unqualified and unfavorable judgments. Maybe you're right now, with your head's bowed, I want you to, God, is there anybody that I have been really judgmental towards? That I've been unfavorable and unfair? God, I already know I'm unqualified to do your work in this area. And that you did not ask me to do this. Maybe there's somebody that you've really hurt out there. And maybe that's this week you need to go and make that right. Maybe you've been the other side of that. Maybe you've received a lot of judgment in your life. And your heart is hurt. A lot of times when we feel like we're being judged, sometimes it makes us even more judgmental out of being judged so maybe today we just need to lay some of this stuff down out of our heart and give that to God maybe you're carrying some of this pain the altar is open whatever you need we know there's that one name that's above all names his name's Jesus the name that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. He's the one we cry out to. He's the one we go to when we don't know what else to do. Maybe you've got pain in your own heart that has nothing to do with what we talked about today. Maybe there's some grief. Maybe there's some anger. Maybe there's whatever it is. I want to invite you to come lay that down. Lay yourself down. Ask God to do a work in your heart today. Maybe your heart needs to be softened today. Maybe you need to ask Him to forgive you for doing His job. Maybe you've got a struggle in your home. Maybe you've got a struggle in your marriage. Maybe you've got a struggle with your kids. Maybe today is the day that you just need to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Our elders and our deacons, our women's ministers, they're here to pray with you. If you need any specific prayer, grab one of them.
Father, we're so grateful for this message, for this series, God. I just pray, God, that our eyes would be opened, that your spirit would be allowed to move, that conviction would come, 
when we're judging others, when we're forgetting to extend the grace that you have so freely given to us, Jesus. Would you remind our hearts of the grace we've received? 